Good morning. Um, glad you're here. We are in. Uh, we're talking about disappointment uh, today, obviously, with uh, with uh, the ice cream Im- illustration. Obviously, um, all of us probably know disappointments of li- like that in our childhood, maybe. Um, but also, also, the big message here is there are many disappointments in life that are a lot bigger and a lot more difficult to deal with than uh, not getting the ice cream cone, so to speak. Uh, we are in this series, you've already heard Clay talk about that, um, Peace in the Midst of Chaos, and uh, I'm still getting over peace, okay? Um, I mean, I lived during those days. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. I actually lived it. <laughs> um, but finding peace in the, in the midst of chaos, and, and, and we're, we're, we're sort of bouncing off Joseph's in the Old Testament's life. And, and, and he was just the epitome of a guy who found peace, and he had a lot of chaos. And we've seen peace in the midst of, of, of uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen, um, which we don't anyway. We just think we do sometimes. And last week we saw peace in the midst of what was basically just one of the storms of life, which could be his whole life if he really wanted to, to say it that way. And this, this morning we're talking about peace in the midst of the disappointments of life. And we're going to see another chapter out of Joseph's life where it, it looked like things were going his way. And, well, you'll see. Let me just real quick bring you context. Uh, Joseph was uh, sold into slavery by his brothers at age 17. They were jealous of him. And, um, and, and there was no question that his father, Jacob, favored him over his 11, other 11 brothers. And they got jealous. He got him a nice big, nice coat and everything. And uh, they tore that up, and they threw him in a well, and some... Ishmaelites came along and they sold him into slavery. So now they, the Ishmaelites, these people, these slave traders, basically, they took him and they sold him to this guy named Potiphar. Well, Potiphar then has this kind of a, well, according to Rembrandt, a dorky-looking wife, but apparently she was, you know, nice for her, uh, for her age or for that time, whatever. Anyway, he has a wife that's heavily promiscuous, apparently, and she, she sort of um, makes some advances, not sort of, she makes some advances to Joseph. Joseph turns her down every time until finally, as the old saying goes, you know, a woman scorned has a lot of fury there, uh, and uh, she uh, started falsely accusing him of coming on to her, you know, making advances on her, hitting on her, whatever you want to call it. And um, her husband believed her, and she, he threw, he threw uh, Joseph in jail. That's where we pick up the story. And um, a few <clears throat> coincidences here. We'll talk about that in just a moment. All right, here we go. Chapter 40 of Genesis, beginning in verse 1. Let's see how Joseph handles disappointment. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. In the same prison where Joseph was confined, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended to them. He was sort of, in, in today's vernacular, he was sort of the, the trustee of the, uh, of, the, of the prison, and he, the jailer put him in charge of a few people. Isn't it, isn't it coincidental that these high-up people and basically the cabinet of, of Pharaoh would be in the same prison with Joseph? Some people would call that a coincidence. I don't. So anyway, watch what happens here. Here we go. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, uh, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. So, 
They get put in the same prison with Joseph. They each have a dream the same night. Now let's see what happens. Um, verse 6. This is an amazing two verses. This is amazing. I mean, just, just, hang, just watch this carefully. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Are you kidding me? They're in prison, people. They're in prison. And he's going around, hey, 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 what's the big deal? Well, how come you look so sad? I mean, I can, you can see the picture of these two guys looking at each other like, who's this idiot? Who's this yahoo? What's this going on here? You know, I mean, it's just, that's the kind of attitude Joseph had, no matter where he was. He's, he's going to have that, that tremendous positive attitude. Um, so anyway, why do you look so sad today? Now, verse 8, we both had dreams, they answered. There's no one to interpret them. Joseph immediately points them to God. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Tell them to me. Immediately points them to God, and he's, he's not pretending to be God. He's just a messenger, and he, and he knows that. So the chief cupbearer, he's basically the guy that tastes, he, he, he brings the wine to the, uh, to the, to the Pharaoh and, and food as well. He's, he's very trusted because he has to make sure it's not poisoned. Nobody's trying to kill the king. So I don't know what he did to offend the Pharaoh. Maybe he maybe gave him some really nasty wine. I don't know. But um, he did something. So anyway, Chief Cupbearer tells Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and the vine were, uh, had three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes. I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his head, in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph says to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you had used to when you were his cupbearer. Verse 14, watch this. Joseph says, just, just, I got an opportunity here. Watch this. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show, show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried here. I was carried off in the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. He just wants to use the opportunity, knowing who this guy is now, chief cupbearer. And, I mean, he's like, he's like inner, inner circle to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And, and so Joseph says, hey, and you can imagine what's going through Joseph's head. Just, hey, God, you brought this guy into my life probably to get me out of here. I'm, you know, I've done the right thing, and I'm suffering for it anyway. You brought me here. This is great. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm, he's probably, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Well, he goes on. So, verse 16, chief, the chief baker, this is the second guy. He sees that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph. I, too, had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. The top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket of my head. What a weird dream, huh? Um, this is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away at your flesh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> kind of like, well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? You know, I mean, gee whiz. <laughs> We, don't, we hear nothing else at that point, nothing else. Um, 
Verse 20, now on the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for his, all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in this interpretation. Now watch what happens, or really doesn't happen, in this last verse of this chapter. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. You want to talk about disappointment? I mean, he's building, he's building. He's thinking, God put this guy in my life. He's he's right next to Pharaoh, and I interpreted his dream properly because that came from God, and and this is great. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's going to be at least two more years before anything else happens. Joseph's going to be in this prison. You want to talk about disappointment upon disappointment? Let me read to you just a a blurb from um, a commentary that I like a lot. Yet the significant fact for Joseph was that he was correctly interpreting dreams. He did not misunderstand God's revelations to him by dreams. He might not have understood his imprisonment, but he was encouraged in his faith. The cupbearer forgot him, but God did not. In this hope, Joseph had a persistent faith. His faith was not destroyed by his circumstances. Was it intentional, unintentional? It doesn't matter. He forgot him. You know, Joseph had some some intangible things, some equipment that I want to tell you about in a minute, a few minutes. But before I do that, I want to talk, uh, I want to tell you about another guy, good friend, who had some some disappointments in his life, and I want you to hear it from him himself. You know, there's a, come on up, Park. Park Smith, good friend of mine, been here 10 years. Um, seems like 50, but um, I'm kidding. Um, he, he's a dear friend of mine, and, and, and I happen to, I, I know his story, so I'm just going to kind of prompt him a little bit. And um, he's the guy that's downstairs hugging all the women, and men too, he hugs them all. Um, and um, thanks for doing this. This is not easy for us. I'll, I'll, I'll just let you know that right away. But Park was uh, born and raised in Short Hills, um, went to college, Houghton College in New York, um, came to faith at a young age. Tell them about that. Yeah, um, born and raised in Short Hills, and um, in the late 60s, early 70s, everybody was searching, of course, and so was I. And in 1973, I came to faith, and it changed my whole life. Uh, the deepest part of me um, became alive, and so that began my journey of, of faith with Jesus. So you go to college, I think you had a master's degree or something? Yep, college yeah. administration. Yeah, and um, um, then you just start doing what you do. You're, you're an entrepreneur at that point, right? Right, right. I got into business, actually, um, and I found, I, I started doing kind of menial things, actually, and just grew within a company and found I had a real aptitude for marketing and sales and the business aspect of it and decided to start my own business and I started about three of them. The last, the last business you started then was a pretty significant business. Yeah, that was the most special one. I started that in 1991 and uh, we literally started it from my garage. Uh, we were manufacturing in the home textiles business and I actually started with Costco when they had one location, Price Club when they had two. So we grew with them as they grew nationally and internationally. And we had Bed Bath & Beyond and Linens and & Things and Macy's and Sears and Pennies and all those guys. So um, the company grew very successfully, but I'll never forget our first shipment. 
Um, I live on a cul-de-sac, <laughs> and we were storing all these boxes. We, we, um, we had probably 20 people from our church. We were paying to put things on, hang tags and all of that. And it happened to be, at the time, the hottest selling item at Price Club. And so the trucker called. Do we know what it was? At, at that time, it was sweaters, actually. We oh, got into, oh, yeah. before the home furnishings, we got, it was sweaters. And um, the trucker called, and he goes, are you, are you sure this is a, you want me to pick this? I said, oh, yeah, come on down. So 54-foot truck came down, got stuck in the cul-de-sac, but we eventually got got it loaded and out of there. That was our first shipment. But it grew. It grew and grew and grew. It was very, very special. Had a, a dear partner um, that grew that business together. And then uh, you merged. We merged, right. Um, the company was growing, and then somebody came to me who I was actually pretty close to and asked me to run his company as well. His wife was dying of brain cancer. And so after some negotiations, of part of which my partner had to have 50% of the whole thing, said, okay. And so that was going swimmingly, as they say, for a couple of years. And then um, something very strange happened. We could not sign the paperwork for the merge because his wife was part owner and legally she was mentally incompetent uh, or incapable of, of signing. Because of brain cancer. So yeah. but we all trusted each other. You can probably figure out what happened next. I um, was involved in a hostile takeover and uh, lost everything that I had worked for for 23 years. Kind of like the old country song, they got the gold mine, you got the shaft. Well, you said that last night. I still don't know that song, but you got to send it to me. <laughs> it's a good song. It's a good song. But that's what happened, right? I mean, yes, that's literally, that, literally what happened. That is literally what happened, yeah. And, and this this brought about a pretty major transition in your life. It did. It really did. Um, I thought I was a pretty good judge of people. And it just pulled the rug out right from under me. And so I began questioning a lot of things. I didn't question my faith, but I had three people who helped me through at the time. Um, my wife, Terry, um, my former pastor before I started coming here to Renaissance, and a Catholic nun um, who acted kind of like a counselor at the time. And they kept my feet nailed to the ground. They kept pointing me towards God. Um, I went through anger, depression, despair, and every other emotion you can think of. But uh, they really helped me through that. And the forgiveness part, strangely enough, was, was easy. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but yeah. it, it was easy. It was the other stuff and readjusting that was the problem. So you transitioned into something far different than your business. I style. did. What happened, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's good. God must have had something yeah. in mind, you know, and I don't believe that. It was evil. There was nothing good about it. But he did pick me up, and he put me down over here into something that fulfilled every single bit and pore of my being, my heart's desire. And um, I was introduced to an organization called Young Life. And in particular, I, I worked with at-risk kids at first in the largest adolescent rehab in the country and loved it and then you know, became full-time with Young Life and trained staff and continued to work with kids. And we were just growing um, in New York City. And, and it's still, to this day, it's really blossoming. And so I had just found what I was made for, basically. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me, as you know, as you can tell, I, I know the story, so I don't have to ask any questions. I have to tell that story. I remember you telling me one time um, that you felt like this is, this is the job that God made you yeah. for. 
basically. Yeah. Not good English, but you understand. Yeah, it yeah. took in all my background, yeah. and I love kids, and I, um, I, I love college-age kids, and, of course, the new leaders in Young Life are usually just out of college, so mm-hmm. it was a perfect match for me. So now you're fulfilled. Now I'm fulfilled. Now I'm totally fulfilled and grooving. And then? And then I was going through an obstacle course, actually, at a Young Life camp with a bunch of my guys. And um, I was going underneath this cargo net in in about 18 inches of slime. And uh, something happened in my back. And uh, from that point on, it got progressively worse, which... To make a long story short, I had surgery on my back in September of 2012. Major surgery, uh, 12 hours? It, uh, 11, 11, 11 hours, hours, I think it was, surgery. yeah, something that, like that. Yeah. yeah, it was major surgery. And there was supposedly a 97% chance that with that surgery, I'd be restored to activity again. Um, so I was out until February, so from, from October through February, I was out, and I'm not one to sit around, um, you know, I'm more of a five in the morning till eight at night guy, uh, and but I had to. So I wanted to get back to work, and I went back to work in February with Young Life. And um, unfortunately, it just seemed like it made it worse. Uh, I, I did that for about four months, and finally I was in the doctor's office one day, and he said, you have to stop working. And I just broke down in tears. Disappointed? What do you think? I mean, yeah. <laughs> What kind of question is that? <laughs> Sorry, that's our, that's, that's our friendship. <laughs> um, <clears throat> thankfully, he only said, never mind. No, anyway. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, just yeah, keep exactly. going. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it, 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 we're, we're laughing about it, but, but it's still going on. It is. It is. And uh, I'm not through it at all yet because it's still, I'm still going through it. But uh, just like the last time, I seem to have a few people now that are helping me through a guy that I that I talked to, actually a, a, an old college friend that um, helps me think through. My wife, oh my goodness, she's there, you know, encouraging me. And because I, I mean, it's it, you can literally get to a point of despair if you're if you're created to do something and you know you're grooving in it, and all of a sudden that's taken away from you again. Um, what do you do? You know, I'm 58 years old. I got a few good years left, so. You're a kid. Um, uh, yeah, the thing is, you, you don't, I mean, what's it done to your relationship with God? And, and, and is there some angst? Is there, what's going on there? Well, I, I keep, I guess, you know, it's kind of like the Psalms. I get angry at God um, sometimes. And you tell him? I know how stupid that is because it really doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah. And I do. I do tell him. I said, you know, you don't know what you're doing. What, what are you doing here? And then, um, obviously, that's stupid, too. <laughs> but I get to a point sometimes where I have a lot of peace. And what's been happening recently is that I've been able to pour into a few people's lives, um, much from what I've been through. And that's that's given me great joy yeah. again. So I'm, yeah. I'm teeter-tottering a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wrestling with God, that's... Uh... Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not just for people who, you know. That, that that's as much for people who have strong faith as as, as little faith. Right? Yeah. yeah, I. Uh, and again, that's why I started it by saying in 1973 with my deep faith, mm-hmm. uh, I have no doubt about that part of it. It's the rest of the stuff that really stinks. All right. Thanks, man. Okay. All right. This was not easy for him. Thank you very much. Yeah.
Ah, thanks, Park. That's a living illustration dealing with disappointment that I wanted you to. I wanted to share with you, and I appreciate him um, doing that. Three things, very quickly. I just want to. I want to put a wrap on this with three three simple things. Uh, I call them gotta haves. Again, not good English, but it's 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 what it is. Necessities that you have to have in your life for the disappointments, whatever they may be. And I know some of you can relate to Park's story. Some of you can relate to Joseph's stories. Some of you have your own set of disappointments, either that you're dealing with now or in, in many of your situations that you've dealt with in the past. And maybe it still has some ongoing leakage, so to speak. But uh, three things that I'm going to take from Joseph's life and, and Park's life. First one is attitude. Nothing is more important than attitude. I've read this quote to you probably a hundred times, and I'm going to do it again from one of my favorite pastors that I've had the privilege of knowing, uh, Charles Swindoll. Words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. The longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. Attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my file or assaults my hope. When my attitudes are right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, and no challenge too great for me. Joseph so shows us that. When you, go, when you read back, back again in, in chapter 40, verses 6 and 7, when he, he's saying he came to him next morning, he saw him dejected, why do you look so sad today? I mean, he just had that attitude. Um, and by the way, he cared in spite of his own stuff going on. He didn't get, become so self-absorbed, which we can have a tendency to do, that he can't reach out and look at others, see how he can help. Attitude. Number two, flexibility. About a month ago, we had a special speaker. If you were here, Lance Witt. Love the guy and love his book. I'll, I'll, I'll plug his book again because I like it that much. It's called Replenish. But um, he, he, he's, he's a big guy on, on life plans and things like that, if you remember. And, and I remember his last point of his talk, and it was this. He said, you know, have a plan. Have a good plan. Then he said, but hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. And, and I just want to repeat that and reiterate that. Try, think, plan, strategize, do all of that, but keep a loose grip. Proverbs says this, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Stay flexible. By the way, you know what the opposite of flexibility is? It's um, being stiff-necked, one definite, or just being rigid or stiff. And I'll tell you what, that's not good anywhere. Flexibility. Got to hang on to that. Third thing. Uh, don't, it's trust. Don't go, oh, okay, yeah, I knew you were going to say that, Rich. Yeah, it, it's because it's true. It's real. I don't mean to, I don't mean to sound trite, but it, it, it's all about trust. At the end of the day, we're all trusting something or someone. Many times that's in ourselves. Well, that's not real safe because we're all uneven performers in one way or another. Um, if you've been a Christ follower for a long time, you probably have some understanding of the fact that no matter what, no matter when, God is always there. He's there every step of the way, every misstep of the way. He's there. Uh, Joseph had a good grip on this. Just want to go back to last week's um, message where I'm just going to quote from a few verses in chapter 38 of Genesis. The Lord was with Joseph when the master saw that the Lord was with him. Verse 3, the Lord gave him success in everything he did. 
Verse 21, the Lord was with him, showed him kindness, and granted him favor in the eyes of the uh, prison warden. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success at whatever he did. The Lord was with him every step of the way. And if you've been a follower of Christ, you need to understand that. He's with you. You may be going through some angst. You may get angry and, and, and curse at God every so often because of something going on. He, he can handle that. He's God. I don't recommend it, but I, I don't recommend lying either because you can't lie to God because he already knows the truth anyway, right? Um, maybe you're not on board or maybe you're not, maybe, maybe you haven't, you know, maybe this is all new to you or you're not even on board with this whole thing of, of faith. And maybe you say, where do I start? Well, first of all, if, if, if you're not quite on board or you're new or, or just still thinking about it, I'm really glad you're here. But you would begin, you would begin by just coming to an initial understanding of what God has done for you and that Christ came and lived and he suffered and he died and he rose again and he did that for you. And your journey of faith begins by just saying, I want to trust, I want to trust you, Jesus. I want to put my trust in you. This is uh, Romans chapter 5, puts it like this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This means you. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's where it begins putting your trust in Christ. And then we journey through this life and journey of faith, continuing to recognize God is here. He's got my back. I may not feel like it, but he's here. And before long, hopefully, we'll be able to join with a songwriter who put it this way, even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of life, I won't turn back. I know you are near. I will fear no evil. For my God is with me. And if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? Oh, no, you never let go. Through the calm and through the storm, you never let go. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are grateful for the truth of that song. You never let go of me. And uh, while sometimes the emotions may feel like it and sometimes some other things are going on, Lord, we know you're there and we know you love us and we know when it's all said and done, you're going to prosper us in the ways that uh, are going to benefit us. And we know you know that. And, we know, and, and Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your presence and, uh, and for your continued care for each one of us. Pray, Lord, just for a moment, I want to pray for some folks here that I know are, are, are either in the middle or just coming out of some of these some of these disappointments. You know who they are. I pray, God, you give them a special measure of grace, a special measure of strength, a special measure of peace as they seek to, to plow through some challenging times. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for Jesus. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Have a great rest of the weekend.